Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Piano notes signal the beginning of one of the finest movies ever made. That's why we're here this afternoon with the film guys on Filmically Perfect. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce the storyboard artist to the Coen Brothers and all the best movies ever made, J. Todd Anderson. J. Yes, Todd, all welcome. the best movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> also in studio, the nitrate film archivist and the man that contains more film information in his brain than any other human and the size of his head proves it george williman thank you for being here thank you i think <laughs> hey nikki you know this is george's 669th millionth film that he's watched <laughs> it's amazing. 669 million this it is the is 669 amazing. million film that he has watched the wealth of film knowledge that stands in this room right now is almost overpowering and we're not alone today we have a, a special guest and jay todd yes um we are very proud very proud to have Leyland sklar who is one of my idols when i was a very very small child um, <laughs> Oops! I I listen to all his recordings, and he's done 669 million recordings. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but he's done one of my favorite albums. He was the bass player on JT, the James Taylor, and he's played with all these amazing, amazing players. Was just in town and he with thinks that this and... He thinks that this is a perfect movie. Absolutely, one of my all-time favorite movies. We'll discuss it in a moment. Yeah, so let's consider here um, a movie. Uh, 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 Harper Lee wrote a novel. It was a Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, really sort of set the literary world on its ear. And then came the notion to make it into a movie. And the best, one of the best notions ever, if you ask me, because it's one of those movies that um, when I saw it as a kid, I retained a, a little fact of knowledge that I tried to apply in my parenting skills this, to this day, and it is what uh, Atticus Finch, the father in this movie, said, that he wouldn't, I don't remember the exact quote, but that uh, someone said, oh, those children are probably going to get it when they get home. And he said, I will do nothing to them at home that I wouldn't do right here in front of everyone. And, oh, it just melted my heart, and I uh, try to apply that well, there are every reasons, day. There are reasons that this is a perfect film. There we are, have four reasons, to be exact. And, and you have, over the course of time, uh, perfected, honed, and uh, condensed these into three this easily... Is the standard. The standard by which all perfect films, uh, films are judged. Hit it, George! Well, first, uh, it creates the world that it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. This movie wholly sustains that world of perfection. And regardless of changes in society, it retains its meaning and entertainment value. And at no time, no time at all, is it numerically rated better than another film. You heard it on 91.3 WYSO. That's it. Three simple rules that define the finest movies ever made. Um, let's just quickly, if you could, Jay Todd, in a sort of overview notion, tell us what about this film brings it immediately to your mind as a perfect film. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things I wanted to mention before I forget it is Leyland here uh, worked with the composer on this movie on many, many other movies. Is that right? Yeah, I had the, the great joy of working with Elmer Bernstein on, on numerous projects, and I would find myself sitting in the studio 
just kind of pinching myself, going, that's the guy. I mean, that's really the guy. Because this, this, this score in this movie is absolutely, unbelievably simple and beautiful, like the movie. It's subtle. It's, yeah, you're exactly it's, it's, right, it's like so the movie. It's so understated, but so perfect. So you had already seen the movie when you had the opportunity yeah. to work with this man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've carried this movie uh, on the road with me. Actually, on, on a, number, cool. a number of years with Phil Collins on tour, we would all have to use fictitious names in hotels, and mine was B. Radley for <laughs> Boo Radley, <laughs> which spooky. in this movie was Robert Duvall's first role. And still with Barefoot Servants, you're carrying it with Barefoot Servants and On the, road. the Adam Record crew. You got it at the... Absolutely. Uh, you're going to be playing at Canal Street tonight and, uh, and believe you, you'll have the, uh, the To Kill a Mockingbird in the, in the bus there. Can you remember, uh, Mr. Sklar, the first Lee, time you... Lee, Mr. Sklar's my father. I'm so sorry, Lee. He's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> that can't happen. What's going on here? Can you I'm a bass player. I haven't Lee, got that much respect right. coming. <laughs> Can you remember when you first saw the movie and uh, how old you were? Well, you know, just sort no, of... The- I was probably a, a kid when I saw it, um, but it, it, it impacted me because my sister and I, we used to always just like watch late night television and we would look for, you know, like strange movies like Little Shop of Horrors and, <laughs> and um, Mon Uncle with Jacques Tati and things like that. So the first time I saw this, it just had a lasting impression on me for my entire life. I mean, you would like to see this be the reality of your life, that kind of purity and honesty that took place in that town, both the good and the bad. uh, And uh, let's just quickly, George, if you would give us a a quick overview of the action in this movie, set the scene and uh, the actual occurrences. Yeah, well, um, for those of you, again, who haven't seen this, shame upon you, um, <laughs> the action takes place in Mississippi in the 30s, and, and basically it's a story of, of two children and, and their friend and, um, and sort of their adventures over this summer um, where they tried to find out the truth about this mysterious neighbor, Boo Radley, who leaves them little gifts in the, uh, in the opening of an old tree in his front yard. Um, they also sort of are enamored of and watch over their, their father, Atticus Finch, who is a local lawyer who um, defends uh, a local a black man who is accused of raping a white woman. Which touches on these, these themes, these themes that have run through America, and particularly at this time, Depression era, and uh, very hard times and coming through... Uh, so just before the sort of civil rights movement began to get some legs dealing with these uh, prejudices and stereotypes, absolutely amazing setting that's echoed on several levels, not just with the, uh, the accusation of this rape, but also with the Boo Radley, the notion of innocence and, and the, uh, the misunderstood. So Atticus agrees to take this case, which is right, highly charged. Though, yeah, most of the townspeople are totally against it. Uh, there's a really amazing scene where where Atticus actually sits in front of the jail to protect Tom from the mob that he knows is going to form. Mm-hmm. And and he almost comes to blows with them, and his children come to the jail as well and sort of put the, the shame into these men and make them realize what they're doing is wrong. It's a really strong, powerful scene. Also, another powerful scene is the, uh, the, uh, the trial itself. Um, yeah, he... Um, uh, both sides pre- present their arguments, and, and Atticus, of course, has this wonderful speech. And even um, the the great Brock Peters playing playing Tom Robinson is uh, given this incredible gives this incredibly noble performance that just tears your heart up. And especially at the end of the trial, when after all this hard work, uh, he's found guilty anyway, as I'm sure they had pretty much assigned him to this from the beginning. Mm. Um, at the end, the the uh, 
the black audience, which of course at this time is sort of consigned to the balcony, all stand up as Atticus leaves the courtroom. When I saw that last night, it was so funny. I've seen this movie and I've seen it many times, and yet that notion—it just like made me well up. But this mm-hmm. is the notion, and 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 the children are sitting up with the blacks are only allowed in the balcony around, you know, to look down. And he says, "Get up, get up! Your father is passing by." Yeah. Oh, it was just. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. It's a very touching movie, and I'll tell you what. Uh, no matter who I talk to with a consistency that I've never seen in a movie, they all respond the same way. This this movie, in fact, one of the reasons that Leyland is here is that we had it up on the screen. We're getting ready to go in here, and he saw it and immediately commented on it. And I've heard so many incredible uh, uh, notations from people, whatever you mention this movie, and especially from women. The Gregory Peck figure is like the figure that everybody wants as a dad. Oh, man. You know, now, this, keep in mind, this is about 1962 when they made this. This is supposed to be a period film made in the 30s. You know, I mean, it's supposed to be taking place in the 30s, but they made it in the early 60s. So a lot of things had started happening at that time. So think about the era, you know, and this is, you know, when Martin Luther King started um, doing things around 61, 62 became in the news. And think about how, uh, how much... Uh, context is in this film when you watch it if you especially if you're old like I am you know I was only kidding about Leyland I I'm older than Leyland I'm older no (laughs) he has the longest beard I've ever seen ever yeah Uh, amazing but anyway uh, I always am astounded at the comments I hear from people whenever you just raise the syllables on this picture if you just say to kill a mockingbird boom people have instant commentary on it and it's all very reinforced commentary on how it's affected them in and which their life. speaks to uh the third rule about uh, resonance through time despite any cultural still and has meaning still oh, has it's... meaning it's a masterpiece it really is a masterpiece of american filmmaking and it was pretty t- true to the novel by harper lee she was on uh scene i guess when they were making the movie and as soon as she saw sort of just even the beginnings of the walkthrough and the way that gregory peck uh, portrayed atticus finch in this she knew right away in fact i think it, it it brought her to tears, which, by the way, established a relationship, a lifelong relationship between that author and that actor that uh, that extended through his children and hers. Really lovely. And a very interesting aspect of this movie is uh, most of the movies we, we talk about on the perfect movie film list all have books. You know, they're all based on books. And this, of course, is based on a book. But this is one of these movies where people have read the book. Right. <laughs> one of the few. And they, they've yeah. always read the book. You know, the book. I can't decide whether the book is better than the movie. And then that goes on for about three or four minutes. Another consistent <laughs> pattern when I'm talking to people about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think one of the, the great decisions that the production team did right from the, from the, from the top was to select an author and, and a writer like Horton Foote to do the screenplay because he has the same sort of sensibilities that Harper Lee does, and he was so conscious and conscientious of the work he was doing, even going to her and, and you know confiding in her and trying to get her, you know, she's a very private person, trying to get her to say what, you know, does she like this, does she not like this, and that, that, that really makes the script a good script. In fact, let me see if I have my notes here. Yes, in fact, he was awarded the uh, the Academy Award that year for best and Gregory Peck screenplay up, yes. based on a uh, pre-existing work. And uh, Gregory Peck, he's has, has been noted as saying this is his the favorite film the that favorite, he's ever huh? done, and he's done quite a few wonderful movies. You know? Yeah. He also said that this is the role he felt closest to in his own life and his own humanity. That he identified more with Atticus Finch than any other character he ever played personally. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, many times in this, uh, during that era, they were doing My Three Sons, and it was always the father with the son with no mother. You know, that was the, yeah. that was the pattern. But in this movie, it's very interesting because he connects with the little girl, um, Scout, in this movie. And you almost forget about the little boy a lot of times, but he's the instigator, and he's, he's kind of the, the plot point in many, many areas of the movie. But Scout is the central, for some reason, she sticks with people. Yeah. In a, when I was a little kid, when she was a ham, you know, it's like bait for the hillbilly, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like a hilljack bait, you know? Like, Come and get it, you know? It's like, it's almost like we know there's going to be a villain out there, but he's going to give it away by dressing her up as a ham, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's, a, that's such a wonderful, surprising moment in this film, which, you know, which kind of goes, flows along very lyrically yeah. and beautifully. And then at the end, this sort of, this capper, the big finale for the whole film you know, she in the narration, which which uh, by the way I discovered is by Kim Stanley, the actress oh, Kim Stanley okay. does the the grown up scout narrating the film, um, and it, and she says we're having a, a Halloween festival at school, and I was I was chosen to be a ham, and sure enough, here she comes with this ham outfit on. Bizarre outfit, yeah. This is like Halloween without trick or treating. This is in the '30s. You know, they don't even mention it. it's a Halloween festival, and they're all by themselves. That's another thing about this. You talk Ooh, about and they creep. go to the woods, and she's got her hands in this ham. You know, she's, she can't yeah. walk. And this <laughs> is like a, totally. a major point where the actual, not the not the fellow who was convicted, and then uh, I don't know how much we should say without giving the way the ending. But uh, but the actual perpetrator, the actual criminal, uh, comes upon them in the woods, and, and means to do the children harm as a way of getting back to at Atticus, and. Um, it is in this moment that several of the levels of innocences, because you have, you know, the, the innocent man who was convicted, the sort of innocent uh, uh, savant from next door, and the innocent little girl. It's sort of a, a very interesting plot point there when it is actually uh, the, the unexpected uh, savior in, that, well, in that, that scene. That's also one of the beauties of this film is that there are these two plot lines that go along next to each other throughout the movie. There's the the plot of the children and their search for Boo Radley, yeah. which goes on, goes on. And then there's the trial of Tom Robinson, which goes on, goes on. And not until this ending scene with the ham and all that do the two plots cross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the yeah. ham. The two, <laughs> and the two plots just, and it's just so, and you know, you don't even realize it's going to happen and then until after the fact. That's when you realize that, you know, Boo Radley is the, the savior of the, of the children. We're talking about To Kill a Mockingbird on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. we got the film guys, J. Todd Anderson and George Williamson, with special guests today, uh, Lee Sklar. Thanks again, all of you, for being here. J. Todd. One of the real, one of Hitchcock's rules were um, the film is only as good as its villain. Well, they got it in spades on this one. I'll say. Because yeah. this, this guy is, is reprehensible. I mean, he's spooky. He, uh, he has uh, some sort of demur i get what would you say george what sort of evil demeanor yeah demeanor and and he creeps everybody out throughout the kids are in the in the car and he comes you know and you're talking about the uh the, not boo radley mr. at all yule. The, no yeah, boat is not the bad yule. guy yeah yeah mr yeah. yule and then when they're driving away he's out there with a bottle you know hey little kids you know and he's not saying that of course but you see him as they're driving away and you know he's gonna be in the woods and they say Shh. is that your little friend yeah <laughs> 
Isn't it amazing? You know, so so on the rules, we have creates the world, sustains the world, and then also sustains itself through time. I want to just comment about the, the scenes, the visual scenes in this movie. First of all, it's set in the 30s, and there's only a couple of occurrences of cars. There's like no cars parked in front of houses. There's a lot of uh, horse and buggy, and, and the cars, they don't, I love that they don't park the cars in front of the houses. What an interesting thing. They put them off, like putting they them away. A special garage a in special the back. Garage. One car garage Where just for the car. You put your car in there. Amazing scene. And, and the children, which also is amazing to me as a, as a new mother, um, are allowed to roam pretty freely. And as I was watching this, this is the first time since I've become a mom, now five years now, um, that I've watched the movie and thought about this like, wow, look at that. They let those kids go out at night. The kids are, you know, finding their own way in and out of the courthouse. I'll tell you, the scene with the rabid dog is yeah. pretty deep, too. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that Robert Mulligan, the director, said he got all sorts of hate mail about for shooting the dog. Yeah. <laughs> which, of course, they did not really shoot the dog. Because nowadays, there's right. hope for rabid dogs. Yeah. Right. There's hope. And they call hope it mad dog. Yeah. The, the, mad dog. Yeah, mad mad dog. dog. Be careful. Mad dog. mad dog always keeps its distance, too, just enough to spook you out. And you who know? would be the one? And here's Atticus Finch, who's certainly uh, on, a, on a life of peace and always with, uh, with calm dignity and uh, giving the benefit of the doubt to find the best in all people. Of all things, this comes to him to shoot the rabid dog, the least likely to man a gun. But it turns out we find out from the the uh, the neighbor who stops by that he's the best shot in the county, you know. So just oh, the, the layers of this. You talk about like just peeling back the layers of the onion. But what this? Oh, it's amazing. It's so what? well done. One of the things that hit me last night when I was watching it is that it is it's a studio film. I mean, it was made by Universal. The whole thing was made on Universal's back lot. In fact, the courthouse is the same courthouse you see in Back to the Future and hundreds of other Universal <laughs> films. It is. And, and I I've, didn't know yeah, that. I've, there, I've actually seen it. When I went to Universal Studios a few years ago, there it is. You know, it's the oh. same one. The courthouse is in Back to the Future. That's, that was the clock tower. That is right. so amazing. And that they but, leave it up. That's that's amazing. That, that that would have stood. You talk about sustaining through time. I can't believe they would have oh, yeah. torn it down. And uh, oh no, they they've used it in hundreds of movies. Yeah. But I digress. Um, it still gets built on the net gross points on every yeah. movie, you know, because I got to <laughs> paint it again. <laughs> but the, the thing I realized, looking at the way the way the film was put together, the way the production team put it together. And, and chose the actors and everything. It, it's a studio film with an indie sensibility, mm-hmm. as I find it. You know, it, it there wasn't much studio meddling, which is absolutely astounding. Mm-hmm. But the only meddling I heard, which which the producer kept to himself, was during the early rushes. The the studio people said, "Well, you know, uh, Gregory Peck doesn't look very glamorous. You want to change his makeup?" And and he's like, mm, "We'll think about it." And then he never told Bob Mulligan, the director, about that. Um, so you know. Again, they let him go on with it, but it is. It's it's this beautiful studio film. It's allowed to exist. Um, people can be people. There's no, I mean, it's you know, no gooey ending to it. The the parts that could be really overly melodram melodramatized dramatic <laughs> are not We're allowed not. to go that way. Yeah. It's like I say, it's full of pathos, but it has no bathos. <laughs> and that's one thing that keeps it keeps it a perfect movie and makes it so that anybody can sit down, whether they've read the book or not, and enjoy it on its own level. I mean, you can enjoy the book, and you can enjoy the movie, and I think that, you know, one is not really great in the other. Right, sure. Really e- equally sure great. Mm-hmm. We're talking about To Kill a Mockingbird on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO, and I have to wholeheartedly agree, this is one of the finest movies one of the ever made. I have a question for Layla. Didn't you 
Weren't you a bass player on that top hit 40 uh, tune song, No Pathos Without Bathos? <laughs> Wasn't that, didn't you play on that song? I think my cab's here. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> Special guest today, Leyland Sklar from, uh, by the way. Thank the, you, Leyland. Uh, <laughs> we were sure appreciate having <laughs> you here. Barefoot yeah, Servants playing tonight if you want to catch the show at Canal Street Tavern. Uh, J. Todd Anderson, George Wollman, always a pleasure. And I will tell you what, you have not disappointed me yet. Filmically Perfect is uh, straight up exactly that. By the way, if you'd like to uh, touch base with these gentlemen, please do send them an email at filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Write that down, won't you? Filmguys at perfectmovie.net. These are available for podcasts. Check it out. It's linked all there at our website, or you can go to their website at perfectmovie.net. There's so much There's so much kibitzing going on over here. If in Mary the- Badham is out there in this world, yeah? call and let us know where you yeah, are. She played Scout. What is about that, yeah. by the I'm way? She was, that was one of the greatest child performances, and yes. I just I never really saw her after that. And I'm just curious what, we what became you, Mary of her. Batten, we miss you. We miss you. We club here. We miss you. I heard that there, you know, they made reference into in one of the sort of like behind the scenes uh, aspects on the DVD that the, the very reclusive or the a very rare, you know, comment by this actress. And so we don't really know. Is that yeah. true? Then people don't really you know? know. And and the uh, black actor, he made over 100 movies and he just, he just died, just passed away. Yeah. And as George commented earlier when we weren't on the air is that if he probably would have done all those movies you wouldn't remember but this is what you remember him by is To Kill a Mockingbird the African American actor Tom uh, Robin. Brock Peters. Brock he played Peters. Tom Robinson in the movie. Right. He was in a lot of movies. Mm. This guy really kicked up the turf in his career. <laughs> and uh, this is what we all remember him by. I think so. I mean, he's done a lot of great films. There's no doubt about that. But they. this is one of just one of these riveting kind of performances that you always remember him by. Absolutely. In fact, every aspect of this movie, uh, just lovely. We've been talking about To Kill a Mockingbird uh, and Filmically Perfect Indeed. Again, if you'd like to contact the film guys, and I hope that you do, that's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.